0: Hi, friends. Welcome back to Love Someone. I'm Delilah with you. You've heard of the dog days of summer. Well, that's what we're currently experiencing. It's when our summer days are the hottest and the muggiest. And sometimes it can be difficult to get oneself into a productive state of mind. I think these days are best spent lollying about, drinking iced tea or lemonade. Ooh, homemade lemonade mm, mm, mm. Listening to some music, sticking our noses into a good book, or after a long day at work or chasing the kids around, watching a great movie to unwind in the evening. And I've got recommendations for all of it. And on this episode of Love Someone, we're going to talk about a movie I stumbled across and absolutely fell in love with. It's a docudrama. It tells a very true, very sad, and very compelling story. It's heartbreaking, but so empowering. It tells the story of a group of native Hawaiians who resisted the government-mandated exile during a leprosy outbreak in the late 1800s. The movie is called The Wind and the Reckoning. The Hawaiian kingdom had been overthrown by a Western power, just as an outbreak of leprosy brought by that Western power engulfs the tropical paradise. The new provisional government orders all native Hawaiians suspected of having the foreign disease of leprosy banished permanently. They can never come back to their family or friends to a remote colony on the island of Molokai, the island of the living grave. But after a local cowboy and his young son contract the dreaded disease, they refused to allow their family to be separated. Their mother wanted to come with them. It sparked an armed clash with the brutal White Island authorities and makes the cowboy and his wife heroes for all ages. These are real life characters. It's a true story. The story is based on historical events as told through the memoirs of Pialani herself who survived. I've got the two main characters with me on this podcast today. Jason Scott portrays the father. He is perhaps best known for his role as Bruce Lee in the martial arts film Dragon, the Bruce Lee story, and as Mowgli in the 1994 live-action adaptation of Rudyard Kipling's classic The Jungle Book. He also stars in the new hit Disney Plus series, Doogie Kamei Aloha, M.D., and played antagonist Bori Khan in Disney's live-action remake of Mulan. Jason was raised in Hawaii, where he currently lives, and is of both Hawaiian and Chinese descent. Lindsay Watson, who portrays Pialani, is a Hawaiian native best known for her breakout role in the 2020 Netflix feature film, Finding Ohana, Maui born and raised, she is a Kamehameha Schools graduate who is quickly becoming a well-known actor both in Hawaii and abroad. Her next roles include the horror film Terrestrial and the independent documentary One Million Million Dollar. I can't wait for you to meet Jason and Lindsay. I will introduce them right after I spend a moment telling you about one of today's incredible podcast sponsors made for women over 40 and formulated for mature skin laura geller beauty products help me look and feel my best their spackle skin perfecting primer blurs imperfections and minimizes the appearance of fine lines while plumping and hydrating it feels so good I follow with the Baked Balance and Brighten Color Correcting Foundation that works beautifully as a setting powder. I also adore their marbled lipsticks that are as luscious as they are long-lasting. Some days for me, it's full glam. And others, it's a little bit of spackle, a touch of lipstick, and out the door I go. But it's always Laura Geller Beauty Products. Visit laurageller.com to find all the amazing products that fit your beauty routines. With me today on Love Someone are two fabulous actors, uh, Jason Scott Lee and Lindsay Watson, both of you, are native Hawaiians and were in an amazing film. How did you two, Jason and, and Lindsay, I'll start with you, Jason, how did you discover this story? How did you get involved with it? How was it birthed? Cause it was filmed during the COVID shutdown, right?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. It was uh, the idea of filming uh, about a pandemic during a pandemic. Exactly. Yeah. That was, that was set in the late 1800s in Hawaii with the uh, onslaught of Leprosy or Henson's disease. And uh, the director, David Cunningham, who I've been friends with for many, many years, he contacted me. and it was it was a it was a work in progress. I mean, we talked about it for many years before it even came to fruition. But it was always on this back burner.
0: Who had the dream originally? Like, who woke up one day and said this story, Pialani's story, the whole story. But Lindsay, uh, your character, it was her writings, her memoir. Mm-hmm that the the whole movie is based on who said this needs to be a movie.
1: Well, John Fusco the writer um brought the idea to David Cunningham's attention at first and it wasn't until very recently that Ilani's e. memoirs were translated into English. So now it was it was uh, relatable where you know they could really get an understanding of this account that took place and um that that kind of propelled the movie to kind of be expanded and go forward
0: and Lindsay, how did you get involved how did they find their way to you or how did you find your way to the wind and the reckoning yeah i definitely came
2: on to the story later than jason um but i had worked with some of our awesome producers we have on the wind of the reckoning we had worked on a film prior and they jumped on the project and i was super blessed that as soon as ilani came to mind They thought of me. So um, a lot of them started to reach out to me. And when I heard this story was the first time I got this script in hand, which is something we love to talk about. I was born and raised in Hawaii. I went to uh, all Hawaiian school, and yet I never heard of this story before this script landed in my hand. So when I read this script, it was such a shocking moment for me, being a Hawaiian going, What is this story? Because to me, I break this story down in like the most simple terms. This was a moment in one of our hardest times in our history where the Hawaiians stood up and fought back for what we believe in and in a way we were victorious. So to me, it wasn't shocking that this story was kind of pulled out of our history and not showed to us. You know, they wouldn't want Hawaiians to know this was a story that, you know, empowered us to fight back in this hard time. So to me, I wanted to make sure we brought this story to life so that we as Hawaiians look back at our ancestors and then moving forward in the future for our next generations, I want them to see this story, see this moment, because we're all taught this time of the overthrow and leprosy, and it's all negative. And to me, this is this moment, this small little portion of this dark time where Pi'ilani and Ko'olau, we stood up as Hawaiians for what we believe in our culture, our land, our family, our faith, everything like that. So... It was an easy yes for me jumping into this project.
0: And you jumped into it beautifully. Oh, my <laughs> word. Thank you. <laughs> the emotions that you two, Jason and Lindsay, portrayed for each other and for your family. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> when you said, when Pialani said, no, you will not tear us apart. hmm
2: Yeah. Um, to me, that was one of like, the most powerful scenes for me as a character when we were on set it was a tough one um you know i've also talked about this as an actor the build-up for me and the preparation i'm not a wife in real life i'm not a mother in real life so for me to connect to that portion of Lani, that wife that mother it, it took some preparation for me but once i got in there and i realized not only that level of being a wife and a mother but understanding that your husband and your son are going to die and you're going to lose them. And they're going to be gone from you when that, you know, to me, that was Pilani's whole world. That was her whole world. So yeah. See, it makes me cry like talking about it alone, because it was such a heavy moment when you get into that character, into that mindset of what she felt like and the power she, it was very easy for her to find her power because her husband and her son were her power. So to see them getting torn away and ripped away from her, she wasn't going to stand by easily. That's not the type of Hawaiian woman she was, and that she was having no
0: part of that. <laughs> so yeah. a big part of her commitment to her husband and her son were based, obviously, on just emotional love that we have for a mm-hmm. family. But she also believed in the covenant the the covenant that she had made a promise to God mm-hmm. to be one with her family.
2: Yeah. Her faith was a big portion, you know, and reading her memoir and like understanding that that's kind of all I really had to pull from to build the character of Lani. And it was such a stressor for me because she's a real true and powerful figure in our history. So bringing her to life, being the face of what Lani is going to be was something I didn't take lightly and, and reading through those were like the things that really stood out to me, her family, her culture, but her faith and her faith is what, really pulled her family together. That's what pushed them forward in her darkest times. I think that's almost what pushed her through, knowing her husband and her son were dying from this deadly disease that they've watched friends and family and everyone around them die from. Um, and that is what connected her to Ko'olau and saying that above anything else, God's word is what was most important. So if we we were brought together under God's word, under God's name in marriage, Who are you to tear us apart? Who are you to say that you can take my husband, you can take my son, even though we made this vow under God's name. So that to her was the end all of like, you're not, I don't care who you are, you're not going to stop us and you're not going to pull our family in this vow that we made. And to me, that just showed her commitment and her loyalty to her family, like I said, and to her culture, to her faith, everything that centered her.
0: Jason, you have been in a lot of amazing roles. Lindsay, you kind of you're a breakout. You just hit this one a, a couple of years ago. You're a baby. But Jason, you've you've been Bruce Lee. I mean, you've been some pretty amazing characters that you've embodied. How did this role as a historical character, how was that different for you than the other roles that you've been in?
1: Well, I think, you know, I did the drag in the Bruce Lee star, when I was 26. And, um, you know, that was like monumental. That was historical. He's an historical figure in my eyes and in many, many people, we, such an icon. And um, that was daunting because he was a known entity.
0: And you know what people do? I'll tell you what we do. We watch you in that. And then we go back and we watch Bruce Lee. And then we watch <laughs> you and we flip back and forth to see. And and you nailed it. You nailed it. You yeah. can't really do that with this character since he died, you know, 100 years ago. Plus,
1: yeah. And and and, and he's buried in Seattle, you know, where, where you're from. So I am sure he had a big presence there. But um, so, you know, looking at a lot of sort of biopics. I looked at it that way. Like this was something. This this way, Wind and the Reckoning was going to be something that it's historical. It has to be somewhat accurate. Uh, people have to connect with the characters, and that put a lot of pressure on Lindsay and and my shoulders. Um, in the sense of of being non Hawaiian speaking actors and having to relearn and learn a lot of the language. So that that was, and in a short amount of time, we had like two to three weeks. And it was just a crunch time. The budget was very small. Um, It was just this this episode where we had to like, really like focus and really, and I feel that it was the most difficult task in my career as what I can remember with dialogue.
0: Because it's all in, it's all in the Hawaiian language with subtitles. Yeah. Yes.
1: They call it Olelo Hawaii and it's the, the native Hawaiian language and in this language we had to learn it for what the period was I and mean, this was the late 1800s they don't speak so there's the same no pidgin
0: language, language. Yeah. this was correct
1: exactly. yeah a lot of the english that was brought in was brought by missionaries who had sort of a mid atlantic um, almost uh, english you know twang to them
3: mm-hmm. and
1: uh, so you know with that it was just kind of very edgy the whole way you know just trying to make sure that our as we say our kupuna, our elders would understand that we made our uh, a huge attempt to get it accurate and to be authentic and that that rings true you know with 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 the responses that we've been getting and you know seeing that wow you know people are really happy with our our performance people are happy that the hawaiian language is alive And and and, and being heard, and it's a it's as they say in indigenous cultures, they are heart languages.
0: And beautiful, it's like music. It's like listening to music. It's so beautiful.
1: Yeah, and and there's that you know that old world poetry that comes with that kind of language, which is all but lost in our everyday modern tongue. Um, So you know those are all kind of like great pedestals and you know thresholds to stand on. We're so proud of of that. And we hope that other uh, Olelo Hawaii films, uh, Hawaiian language films get produced because I think there's something there and there's so many stories behind it. This is just one of like thousands.
0: One of the things that I loved about the story, there's the love story between your two characters and the love story between the whole family with your son. But I also, and I don't know how much of it is accurate. Lindsay, maybe you can share (laughs) the characters that that were the other castaways the other stowaways the other runaways the others that Mm -hmm. said no we're not we're not getting in the boat we are not getting on the boat how much of that is how much of those relationships were created for the film and how much were in in piolani's uh memoirs because those were
2: precious yeah a lot of those were created for the film um but you know, a lot of it taken from historical context, but obviously John, our writer, he did an incredible job. Like we, again, we didn't have a lot of time. And this this film was originally way bigger and very Hollywood. And with us filming in the middle of COVID, we really kind of had to bring it down and we cut a lot of characters and a lot of roles. And it brought us down to that small amount of people that we had. But I think that's what made it even more precious. Like you said, these really sweet connections between these few Hawaiians that, again, they they were standing up for what we believed in.
3: Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all new 2025 Infinity QX80. Feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-QX80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.
2: Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge.
0: How many people were on set? You were on 50 Acres, right? Oh, my God, not many. So uh, cast-wise, what did we have? Let's.
2: There was actually only one day where we were all on set together. Um, most of the time, we didn't film together. There were a lot of moments because of wow. COVID. There were all these different levels of safety during that time. It was like red, yellow, green levels. So we were really, whereas normally on a set, we're able to kind of hang out, have a lot more time to develop our characters, watch behind the scenes. Like there was none of it this time. You know, we were fully masked up, KN95 mask. If anyone was in the red zone, it was like gloves, face mask, medical gown, the whole thing. So it's pretty impressive, I feel like for us that there's such this deep connection and this really quiet connection. We also talk about that idea of, because the script was stripped down, you know, because of COVID, Um, it really brought out the heart of the story. You know, there weren't all these big explosions and all of this craziness going back and forth. It was this quiet stillness of that time, you know, of the 1800s, where there wasn't all these modern-day distractions. And you really got to, you know, enjoy those connections between the Hawaiians, where they got to sit there. And although there was a lot of heartbreak and heartache, you had those sweet moments of relief in between all of that to see who they are and as hawaiians are heart of how much aloha we still have even in the darkest of times that although Pi'ilani was on the run trying to protect her husband and her son we still made the time and and brought in these hawaiians and because that's just who we are we always you know till this till this day as hawaiians we still bring in friends family no matter what they're they're part of our ohana so I'm I'm glad you picked up those little moments because I feel like those are lost sometimes in this movie because they're so focused on Piilani Kolo, they miss those moments of they
0: we weren't the only ones and the characters that that were with you in the filming. There's mm-hmm. so there's it's it's mind boggling when you think about how in real life in history people were trying to survive a pandemic a deadly disease and they wanted to do it in community. They wanted to do it in community. Mm -hmm. The woman who your character was based on wasn't opposed to going to the island of, what do they call it? The island of the grave? The living dead. Yeah. Yeah. They weren't saying, no, we're going to stay here. She was just saying, I'm going to go with my husband and my son. You're not, you cannot tear us apart. We want to be in in the community of our family. And then you were filming it during a pandemic.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was a cool situation for us to um, kind of have that, you know, like, there was a lot for us as actors for, to prepare, you know, bringing to life these real characters, the language, getting into the mindset of what it's like in the 1800s, but the biggest one was living through a pandemic. And the one positive I can say about COVID was it gave me as an actor a real life experience of what it would have really felt like, you know, whereas that would have been some character building for my mindset of like, what's it like to live through a global pandemic? (laughs) I was like, I know exactly what it's like, I could pull directly from that. So it, it was, I say the one silver lining of COVID was bringing that awareness to this film. Because I think again, that really played across for us that we weren't faking that we weren't trying to create that in our mind. We know what that felt like to be pulled apart, ripped apart and that fear that comes with that.
0: Jason Lindsay said she she didn't have the natural experience to draw on of being a wife or a mother. Do you have the natural experience to draw on of being a dad?
1: Yeah, I'm a father of three and a a husband for a number of years now. And um, yeah, you know, there's there's something that I mean, in a good situation, it's just the best of the world. You know, it's like and I always I was harking back to the idea that that Families are the root of society. I, I've also been a gardener for many, many years now, and I always relate raising a family to gardening. It's always that little branch when that when that kid is growing up, that little branch that goes astray. You go, okay, I better prune that for and make sure this this plant grows straight. And just that kind of nurturing, that kind of everyday tending, weeding and weeding and weeding and, and um, weeding, also-
0: and, weeding. <laughs> and, weeding. <laughs> and
1: weeding and weeding
0: and then that's more family, weeding,
1: right? That's family. I mean, you always, every day it's like you've got to be aware of something that's going to pop up, and it's always something you never think it's going to be. So I, I brought that to the role, and just just the idea, just the idea that, wow, you have this somewhat terminal illness, and you know it's going to come, and it's going to come sooner than you think. And how are you going to deal with that? So I always, throughout the filming, I always felt this underlying you know, morbidity, kind of like this thing that was just weighing ko'olau down and just like, yeah, I I can wake up and I can be spirited in in whatever fashion I need to be, but I know it's like there's that underlying thing that's kind of weighing you down. And there's always that. That's the thing that kind of propelled me to keep, like, when I look at my own, family and they're going, wow, what if that was the case? You know, that that's the whole thing about acting. There's, there's always the what if, what if, what if, and it propels you, it, it creates your imagination and sometimes not in the best places, but I think that's the sacrifices kind of we make as, as actors. Yeah, um, And, um, you know, you go to that place and you go, wow, it's like, what would I be thinking? You know, would I be sitting still? Would I be like neurotic? Or, um, and, and and I think in character, not only personal character, but uh, projecting the, the film character. You know, when you come from an honest place, you can never go wrong.
0: I loved your character, how you were so in love with your wife and yet so protective of Pialani. You did not want her to be infected with your illness. Mm-hmm. So it was this dichotomy where you're trying to hold your family together while you can't even hold your family yeah.
1: Yeah. And even, you know, and, and then you've seen P.I.Lani with, with her son, Kale, Kale Manu. And, and, and like Manu is not afraid to, you know, hug his mom. But being an older understanding like that could lead to, you know, something bad. Um, there was always that adult supervision that, that was always like hands off.
0: And she she was like having no part of that either. <laughs> she was like, no, you're my man. And if you're going, we're going down as a family. I don't care. Just get your butt over here and hug me.
1: Yeah, this 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 epic love story where you we never
0: hold hands. Yeah, not (laughs) once, not Not, not once. once. (laughs) Well, it's such a beautiful movie.
2: Yeah, that's. I think to me, that's the heart of this whole film. Of not only telling this wonderful story but i'm really excited for the educational side that's come from it and it's already been happening we have a lot of schools wanting to reach out that want to play this film so not only for the stories and our historical people they want to hear the language they want this language locked in film forever that's where i always say my two worlds colliding i'm a hawaiian who loves her culture and loves her home but i'm also a filmmaker and actress and i love that these two worlds have collided and have been able to lock our language in film forever because you know film is forever and even if we have these moments which we've had in our history where our language starts to die off, we always have this there to help bring it back, you know, recording languages. There's a lot of indigenous cultures who have lost their language because it was always passed down verbally. It was never, we didn't have technology like we have nowadays to go and make sure to lock our cultures in for generations to come. Cause maybe there's one generation who is not passionate about it, but the next generation is. So to give them that opportunity, that's what films like this are all about. So that our Hawaiian culture, can live forever. And we want to, as Jason said, open the doors for other cultures. People like your children that want to have this. How many indigenous cultures out there who don't get these opportunities. So, we're here kind of like stomping the ground, kicking some doors open as Hawaiians. And we're saying, not only us, we're going to kick this open for everyone to come through because these stories, it's so cool to see. You know, we've taken this film to Hawaii, obviously, and there's obviously such a great response there. But we've taken it to Indianapolis, where there's people out there in Boston and Alaska who are so connected to the film. And it's so interesting to see that you don't have to be Hawaiian to understand the heart of this story. You know, this. This is a universal theme, and it's a it's something a lot of indigenous cultures have experienced of land getting taken away, culture, language. So it's it's cool to be able to share this with the world and kind of spark that fire with other people within their cultures to want to tell their stories as well.
0: Watch it now; people will start sharing their stories. We'll start like respecting and understanding each other. That's dangerous. What a theme! What What a a thought! What a concept! Yeah, exactly. What was it like, uh, Jason, when when they debuted it? Because they debuted it in Hawaii first, right? And then it's, it's yep. won some really cool awards. But what was that like to be in the audience watching people, your people, people whose grandparents or great-grandparents were alive during that time? What was that like to... Yep. To feel that energy, I mean, that must have just been the highest high in the world. To feel all that heart energy, and and I mean, I felt it, and and I'm native nothing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, that you know the 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 important part in our culture is, is the keiki, the kids, the children, and the uh, kupuna. So, and and you know that that's kind of like who we are raised to. To respect and and have concern for, and you know, the, some of the faces of the elders that came out, they were just like, "It's about time."
0: Was there a big amen at the end of it? Like,
1: oh, oh, it was like hallelujah! <laughs> it was like, and 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 you know, not a dry eye in the in the audience, and um, just just a, a great. And we had with this big open air. One of the screenings was at the Bishop Museum, which houses all this Hawaiiana uh, relics and, and, and historical things. And it was on this lawn of this kind of campus museum. And, uh, there were thousands there and it was an outdoor screening and just, they were, they were characters there who stood up after the film and started doing chanting and, uh, you know, these chants of approval and, um, just really, uh, ferocious activists, you know, for the independence of Hawaii. And, um, and knowing the history of, of how the country was was you know overturned, and uh, they they were so patriotic with with, with the film, <laughs> and that was like really something to see. You know, you don't get that kind of response.
0: I wish you could bottle that energy. Yeah, that oh, joy, yeah. that energy, that passion must have been overwhelming. It was crazy for us, for sure. It was,
2: I mean. Um, Jason kind of mentioned it, and I, I don't know if I've never really told a lot of people this, where we were presenting the movie at the Bishop Museum, it was really cool for me because my grandfather was a popular Hawaiian boxer. So he actually has his boxing gloves in that Bishop Museum right inside. So it was such a cool moment for me to be standing outside getting to present this movie while I knew his relics were right inside the museum. So it was like a cool full circle moment for me because I never really got to meet him. He passed away when I was very young. So It was cool my mother it was her father and she was there so it was very it was a heart-wrenching moment for us to know what was your grandfather's name uh stan harrington he was stan the man was his name oh yeah yeah I know. I know. It's was like, realize that was you were saying it, I was like, I've never really told people this, that as we were there, it was so cool for my family. We're like, two oh. steps in the store is his cape and his boxing gloves. And here we are now getting
0: to present this. So I, I knew he was watching over us that day for sure. Jason and Lindsay are being so generous with their time today. I want to get back to our conversation, but not until I share some love with another one of today's podcast sponsors. In warmer weather, try Bigelow Botanicals cold water infusions carefully crafted with beautiful ingredients that include real fruit and herbs. They're steeped in cold water for a lightly infused, refreshing botanical thirst quencher. Flavors include blackberry, raspberry, hibiscus, and strawberry, lemon, orange blossom. Best of all, there are zero calories, caffeine, or anything artificial. Find Bigelow Teas at your favorite store or at BigelowT.com. that's B i g e l o w t e a B-I-G-E-L-O-W-T-E-A.com. I still find it amazing, Lindsay, what you said that you are Native Hawaiian, you were raised there, and you went to an amazing school system for Native Hawaiians, mm-hmm. that you went through all that, all those years, and never heard this powerful story of a woman king <laughs> have you seen the movie the woman king there's a great movie i have not seen
2: it yet i also know also based
0: on kind of based on a true story not nearly as historically correct but just this powerful woman who to look at you to look at her physically was not like you would picture the woman king and yet yeah. her love her love for her her son and her husband and her her faith made her invincible she's like yeah. oh yeah. no i am taking you out if it's the last
2: <laughs> thing i do what we call them yep that is she is one of the many and it's it's so cool to know that her story will now be told and people will know you know pilani will be a household name Koola will be a household name for many hawaiians to come because again Many of us. And and that's just not me. I, I have a lot of friends who went to the same school, a lot of friends who grew up in Hawaii along, and we all asked each other, have you heard this story? Nope. Have you heard this story? Nope. And it was a very small percentage of people who actually have heard the story. So now knowing that this story has made its way into so many Hawaiian households and across the world now, it's cool to know that Stories like this, they're, they're just going to keep coming and coming and coming. And there's not going to be Hawaiian stories that Hawaiians don't know about anymore. Again, I, the big thing that I want people to walk away with is knowledge of our language. That was a huge part for Jason and I to take on being Hawaiians, born and raised in Hawaii. Our language, as we've been told in the past, it, it's almost been gone at many, and many points in our history for us to take on this challenge of two weeks to learn our language that we have been aware of, that we've been around, but we never really got an opportunity like this that forced us to become fluent. And because of that, we made an awesome accomplishment of being able to secure our language in film forever. And I really want that to be a moment for not only Hawaiians, but a big one for Hawaiians that I want them to have that fire to relearn our language, to bring our languages back, because I don't ever want us to get to that point again, where we almost lose our language. There's such a small percentage of Hawaiians who are fluent. So I've had many people come up to me who said, you know what, after watching this movie, I, I want to not only learn our language, I want to learn more about our culture, about our history, you know, it gets lost in our modern day. And I've had other people from other backgrounds come and say, I want to now learn our language. I you know, it's it's a thing that's possible, even though in our crazy day to day, it seems so hard to learn a whole nother language and, a you know, especially from our history. So that's for me, I just want a lot of people to look and appreciate our culture, appreciate this place you go and vacation and hang out on the beach to know where our history comes from, who we are as people, our language, and learn that respect when you go to any other indigenous place, any other cultural place. So that's my two cents. <laughs>
1: yeah, and, and 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 picking up on her heels, um, one of the big things I, I love about the movie, and I wish people take away, is that idea that there's a relationship, there's relationships within the film that I think depict uh, this this kind of like acceptance of race. Um, like th- there's a character of the uh, Sinclair who plays the the rancher. Out of respect, we say uncle, and um, you know. There's that, there's that harmony that two people from completely two different cultures can blend, but you know, there, there's, there's that respect, as, as Lindsay was saying. Um, and it's not about the color of your skin. It's, it's about your character and the respect you have for each other. And the, the, that to me was like, I love those scenes. And that, it's that those things, those little scenes that I love between the native Hawaiian and, and, and the Caucasian. Where there's dynamics, there's dynamics in those relationships. Those are those are the things that that you know. I, I some of the parts of the movie that I just I just love.
0: I think if you two take your passion for indigenous stories and languages, you'll be working hard for the rest of your lives. <laughs> oh,
1: that's what I'm afraid of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Well, thank you for spending time with us on thank Love you. Someone. God bless you. And uh, I just appreciate your talent, appreciate your efforts, appreciate your beautiful hearts. Thank you. Thank you guys so thank much. You, thank Bye-bye. You the Wind and the Reckoning, which was made primarily in the Hawaiian language with English subtitles, was one of the first Hawaiian language films with an international distribution. It had its world premiere at the Boston Film Festival on September 24th, 2022. It won Best Film and has since picked up several more honors and prestigious awards. It's being shown in select theaters nationwide with more venues added each day and can also be viewed on several streaming platforms. Go to windandreckoning.com windandreckoning.com to check for local view options, to watch the trailer, and to find out more about this beautiful, beautiful film. If you have the opportunity to watch it on the big screen, take advantage of the air conditioning and theater popcorn and do so. But if it's not showing in your hometown, then definitely go pop your own popcorn and set yourself up for an incredibly compelling movie experience and stream it. I hope the heat of the summer is something that you welcome. And if it's been exceptionally harsh, I hope that you've got someplace cool and comforting to escape to. I hope that you're healthy and well, and that if you are experiencing any trials, you've got love and support to see you through to the other side. I've discovered that reaching out to help others in need is one of the best ways to heal ourselves. Just one of the many reasons I'll use this opportunity to encourage you to take a cue from the dog days of summer to slow down and love someone.
3: Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury.